This is Terrify Me, a podcast about scary things in fact, fiction, and folklore. I'm your host, Anthony Frost. This week, I sat down with George Popov, a Bulgarian film director uh, with Rubicon Films, and we spoke about his new documentary, Sidewalls, Haunted Forests of England. Well, I say this week, this is actually recorded about a month ago. Um, yeah, I recorded a whole lot of things all at once, and they're all sort of coming out now. Uh, it was very nice revisiting this conversation, actually, and, you know, as I was going through and doing the editing and such. Yeah, but I had a really nice time talking to him, and I hope that you'll have a nice time listening to the conversation. That said, let's dig in. Okay, so I am joined by George Popov, the uh, director of Sideworlds, Haunted Forests of England, and he's directed a few other films as well. So welcome, George. How are you Uh, doing today? Thank you very much. Good to be here. I'm all good. Excellent. All right. Um, So just to start off, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got into directing scary movies? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, well, with with directing, I think it was just mainly uh, because I... um, I grew up in a family that was uh, was kind of surrounded by all kinds of um, crazy artists. So um, my father is 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 a is a painter. My mother was an actress. My my grandfather a theatre director. So you know um, I was surrounded by all these uh, different means of expression. And uh, I guess um, me probably being greedy, I was like, oh, I like a little bit of all of this. What is what is the one art form that can do that? So that led into film and. Um, and again, like the director is that kind of job that you're kind of like the jack of all trades, but master of none. So if you're interested in multiple things, but you uh, don't have the patience to really <laughs> go deeply into any one of them, I think that was the initial uh, desire from from a young age. Um, and then the thing with, with scary movies, is like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's something about that. To me, movies are movies. And uh, if if I, I feel like going into something that covers more horror or you know, uh, I, I guess what we do a lot at Rubicon is like the this uh, uh, stuff that has a lot of like kind of darker stories that um, often have supernatural elements, or you know, they're horror films or tackle folklore, legends and myth. Um, I think that's just more naturally from the types of topics that I'm interested in, rather than necessarily every time like now we're going to do this subgenre of horror film or this one or this one. It's um, Whatever, whatever I do, whatever genre I want to do, like I always get to like the darker stuff come out of me naturally. <laughs> so it just becomes more of a manifestation of that than anything else. But I try not to overthink genre too much rather than um, kind of just do the type of atmosphere and storytelling I'm, I'm fond of. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, your company, Rubicon Films, in there. So how did that come about? How did Rubicon yeah. get started? Well, that, that I mean, the, the the core of Rubicon that's that's me and Jonathan Russell. I mean, uh, we write together, and uh, he produces the things, and I direct most of them. And uh, we we have a you know pretty great partnership. So, um, yeah, pretty standard. We we met at university um, here in the UK, the University of Gloucestershire, and then um, the first couple of years we were kind of working with a bunch of different people, and then in the last one something happened. We had to you know work on on a project, and we just immediately clicked and. It just seemed like we were uh, covering the, each other's uh, deficiencies, and, and um, yeah, just just uh, immediately we had like the same inspirations into into making films, and not just kind of having film jobs, quote unquote. So 
um, yeah, that just that just helped the the creation of it and starting making our our projects. Awesome. So you mentioned your the inspirations that you share with Jonathan. Now I'm I'm quite curious to know what those inspirations would be. Are you speaking about other filmmakers or the arts more yeah. broadly? I I think it's just a matter of a matter of taste and, and covering multiple grounds because again like we we overlap in a lot of the taste when it comes to um you know some genres in in, in the you know in some directors that we we both love you know when it comes to Guillermo del Toro or Michael Mann or you know directors like that but uh um and and he, he has like this great love for films and you you rarely see him criticize you know too many of them unless it's very passionately about a specific genre um, but the thing is, again, is because like we, we come from different directions on, mo on most things. Um, we, we, we kind of share a passion in, in, um, like the, the differences that, that, that we have. I mean, I'm Bulgarian, he's English. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of more of an extrovert. He's more of an introvert. I like to talk a lot. He likes to write a lot, you know, that very much helps into, in the way of how we, uh, we make things or we see things and, and, uh, I mean, with working all these years together now, we've definitely, um, influenced each other in, in the way of how we've, we've become, but, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's more about like, there's a lot of opposites attract, but, but also there is a lot of just like mutual love at the core of what we value in life as, as cheesy as that sounds. Mm. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. To have that sort of, um, working yeah. relationship where regardless of, you know, your background or whatever like you've got the same sort of core approach to creation it's, like it's true i mean the there's a lot of absolutely i mean there's a there's a lot of things that that uh you, you know you value and you kind of like want to preserve but but like I, I don't know the older i get the more i see it's it's the people that you really quick click with and how indispensable that is mm -hmm. um and, and and it's it's not that it's not worth it meeting new ones and experimenting with everyone but like there is um it's not just about you know your comfort zone in and out of but but um how much there is in in gaining of, of just developing that long-term artistic relationship with someone mm -hmm. and this is the reason why you see you know many great directors or, or other filmmakers just manage to keep same ed editor or same dop or same it's it, it takes a lot to um really gain that trust mm -hmm. uh, of, of really um becoming partners and partners in the filmmaking crime you know yeah yeah, absolutely. Now, in this um, in in this recent film, the Sideworlds film, uh, I watched it and I very much enjoyed it. And I, I thought I th I think it's the first um, the the first sort of documentary about British folklore that I've seen, which seems to be made more or less for an English audience, but by someone who isn't English. And I think that's quite interesting. Um, so, as someone who didn't sort of grow up surrounded by English folklore, yeah. like. Uh, how was it to sort of come into that? Well, I think I think it, for me that makes it easier. I mean, I, mm. I work the best as as the, from the outside looking in because you have a very objective, pick and choose, you know, uh, approach to things. Like if I was making like like eventually we'll make probably a side world that, that tackles Bulgarian folklore or some stuff that I'm more familiar with. I'll find that more difficult to really assess of what objectively I have like a passion towards or how do I direct it? How do I approach it? How do we treat it visually? Which stories do we pick? Um, when there are these places when I'm like seeing, reading something for the first time, seeing the place for the first time, it's, it's those impressions I'm trying to capture 
uh, where I get excited. And it, it's a, the initial feeling is so clear, it's so pure. And then after you just go a bit more technical, you get more professional, you try to d- discern the story, attack it a little like, uh, like I'll do with any narrative idea that even I have come up with. So uh, the outsider perspective definitely helps me. And, um, and I, I think that's how I uh, approach like the narrative films as well, where, where it's a place or location or a character that I'm trying to, with my lens, but, but, but be somewhat objective about. Um, even though mine that not necessarily always be the end result, and it sounds like it's it's a very it's always very passionate and intimate to me. But um, but the, the the initial meeting that like that the pure exoticism, like it's it's like it's like dating someone for the first time, you know, rather than being together in twenty years of marriage. Like there's different sorts of pros and cons to both. Yeah, it's, it sounds almost like um, to a certain extent you approach it. Uh, like an anthropologist, mm. as opposed to a bystander, if that makes any sense. No, so no, no. Yeah, I, I, I do understand what you mean. I think it's, it's by no means, by no means cold. It's, it's just fresh. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that you're trying to um, get to to the core of it. And I think if uh, for some people that works very well. I mean, like you, you know, if you've grown around something, you you, you get to, you know, really, um, you know a lot about it. You. you grown into that area you can absolutely deeply appreciate it. and that's the stuff that Jonathan adds to it because he's from here and he like counterbalances that greatly when I go in something be like you know we're gaining a bit more technical be like oh what do you know about this place and then um, he knew a lot about kind of chase for example which was one of the forests where we were there and that knowledge was indispensable um, but most of the time it, it's like it feels more like a, like a like a piece of art and it feels more um, like an honest artist point of view on something that's more documentarian when when you add that approach of of discovery and you invite the viewer into that because let's face it you're making it for the people who don't know about most of these things which is most of the world than the people who do so i I think it's it's a it's a good advantage that i have in that that case because i'm more on the side of 95 percent of the audience yeah for sure so you you mentioned that you might at some point like to do a sort of sidewalls film about Bulgarian folklore. Oh, yeah, we might get there. <laughs> yeah, might get that'd be a, quite a different creative challenge, I imagine. You know, for exactly the reasons you stated, it's because your perspective is flipped on it, right? Uh, yeah. I'm curious about what, what it would be like in terms of the actual content of the folklore, because I know nothing about Bulgarian folklore. Um, I I tend to think that the folklore of different nations tend to have, like, you know, English folklore has a vaguely sort of coherent character to it, like a coherent vibe or flavor or whatever and i think you can sort of say that about most other countries to some extent you know cultures let's say rather than countries because you know the lines aren't always the same so what would you say like what's the biggest sort of difference in terms of vibe or character between bulgarian folklore and english for those who are curious i mean and and by no means i'm i'm a huge expert on both when it comes to uh, in, in that sort of way but but um I'll say one of the main things is like there is a lot of English folklore that I see, especially the, the stuff that's mainly out there, that, that's mainly popular. That, that it's it's that desire to really explore the the, the mythology that exists. It's mm-hmm. like as, as Tolkien said, is like I think we've lost a lot of our mythology. I wanted to bring it back with Lord of the Rings. You know, you know, he felt like the really Normans took away some of that Saxon mythology and legends, and you know, he did that. But then when you go into there is a lot of King Arthur, there is a lot of Robin Hood, there is a lot of you know, um, 
stuff that are inspired for a lot of Celtic legends and Beowulf, Nordic so, sort of connections. So it really, it really feels like that um, it's that desire to go into an almost Greek-like pantheon of of folklore, um, where I think with Bulgaria is more mainly fairy tales um, centric. Like there's a lot of just great fairy tales that it's, mm. it's, it takes a journey of a, of a, of a made up character. It's like, I think it reminds me more of like of a uh, Germanic thing where you have like brothers Grimm exploring all these like little tales here and there where, and I, I'm not, by no means I'm saying that does not exist in England. I'm just trying to see it at the, the core, the, mm. the, the, the way it's being approached because in, in Bulgaria, uh, you, you know, you're looking at two pretty early massive, kingdoms of first and second bulgarian empire that you know covered the big land a lot of people uh, close to the byzantine empire you know another very influential uh, uh, you know empire of course uh, born out of the roman empire uh, and then after that you have like five centuries being under the grand ottoman empire where you don't have your own country you don't have you know you do have your own culture but it but it kind of like has to grow beneath all of that um, uh, you know, being the hood of someone else. So um, there's a lot of like um, stuff that were just not necessarily written down, but just passed on verbally. There, there, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of it lies in song. A lot of it lies in uh, just uh, these these simple fairy tales that sometimes are just about that. Uh, what's the proper way to, you know, have an apple tree or eat cheese or something as simple as that? All the way up to mythical heroes bringing down mythical dragons. A lot of similar stuff. Uh, and and uh, I think European folklore more or less always comes from the same place, then then diverges, but always ends up in the same place as well. Um, and I think it's mainly the details that makes it interesting. You know, as all these creatures are like this or like that, or just uh, just from the the everyday life, the differs or how the how house is built or the manners of people. Um, so yeah, it will be very interesting to see exactly how how it, uh, you know is different. From, from British in, in, in those areas, but I think mostly it's the way it's presented and the way it's perceived. And of course, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more, you know, cute and mystical because not many people know about it. So, you know, you have that probably still intrigue where, you know, if I hear about King Arthur one more time, I think it'll, it'll be one too many. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Actually, I'm actually seeing a couple of interesting sort of like situational parallels between the way you've described Bulgarian folklore and uh, like Welsh folklore, which you know, of mm. course, grew, which of course had to develop orally underneath the British Empire. Uh, yeah, I think it will be more similar to that. Absolutely, that that would be an interesting parallel to make of just comparing like how Welsh folklore. Because like, yeah, I do have some Welsh friends who've been talking to me about this. Like, mm. absolutely need to do a Welsh side. It's like, yeah, I want to. I think that will have a lot to do with um, the way that the Bulgarian folklore developed. Yeah, yeah, very interesting stuff. Now, your previous films, uh, they've been horror fiction. I think, you know, I've, I've seen them described mostly as like folk horror, mm. um, which is just a great vibe. I'm loving the whole folk horror moment that's happening right now. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah. curious, what made you decide to sort of go full in on the folklore stuff and do a, a documentary? I think it was just like a natural progression of that, really. Uh, I, I think it, it felt there was a lot of stories around us that we were researching in terms of just making more, more films under our, our vibe, you know, and, and we were just interested in, you know, we, um, I, I love to bring authenticity to these settings 
particular and, and try to craft an atmosphere. And that usually happens with being in the place and researching the place. And there's a lot about like Hex and the Dropping that came from where we decided to shoot and take, you know, take place uh, story-wise. And um, I just naturally evolved into us being interested in all these stories uh, around of uh, what films we can make. But, you know, you can have like five lifetimes and you wouldn't be able to make a feature film about every single one of them. And not all of them are 92, two hours um, worth of, you know, story. Um, but you want, you, want to, you want to pay attention to them. You, you want to kind of tell everyone's like, hey, that's interesting. That's a, that's a really cool little story. That you know, and, and most of them were were quite chilling, you know, in different aspects, uh, different horror vibes. In one, one is a ghost, one is a creature, one is just more fairy tale. The other one's very real and uh, um, sort of gritty. So we just saw that we're going to have this great palette of stories, and and, and just naturally said, so like, I think we we have, I think we can tell these stories in a way where it, it will feel it's done. Um, our Rubicon way, the way we've developed those two fir first films and, and um, the way that Johnny writes them, we thought that, you know, there's a lot that he can add to it and the way I try to tell those stories with atmosphere in the shots and everything um, we thought will be a different perspective of how usually people watch documentaries like that. Mm -hmm. We thought it would be a bit more different, a bit more atmospheric and, and, and um, try to submerge you into the story where not necessarily you're going to have moments of like, scientist pushes up glasses and let me tell you that it's like i think we have a lot of those so it's like how can i bring a little bit of the experience of of, of uh the narrative stuff and, and and have you like get a warm cup of coffee and go under you know the covers and just just kind of submerge you into those little stories there and give you a nice variation of that so that was the initial feeling, and I think we have quite a lot more to tell, and we want to make is um, quite a few more of those Cyberworld films. But um, yeah, I think that was the the the, the general initial um, desire there. Yeah, I think um, it worked really well for me. Like, I really liked the you know the fact that it was just this you know pretty much the whole way through just a single narrator yourself, and then just like a lot of long lingering shots of you know landscapes and stuff like that it sort of reminded me of you know being told a story by someone as you're walking in the landscape that's the kind of feeling it evoked no thanks man i appreciate it like it's yeah it was it was something that we we wanted to do um yeah just just what the viewer to walk with us through those stories rather than necessarily just being feel like you're at school but what made you choose the particular three uh forests that you did uh was it just those are the ones that had the compelling stories you want to tell, or was it something else? A combination. I, I think it was mainly because um, it's not just which are the the two or three best stories from every every forest. Mm. We still wanted to approach this as like any other feature film, where it has its highs and lows, and uh, you know uh, different rhythms of different stories. When when you have like a breakup, because. Sometimes like, oh, the most lengthy or interesting stories can just be about these particular ghosts. But, but that, you know, for example, but if you, if you just tell those ones, it might get uh, a little bit repetitive in the way those stories are told. So we, so we only had, we had to select the, the, the forest as well. They also gave us different vibes. I mean, like um, Wisman's Woods, for example, did really seem like what it looked like, a very enchanting, um, enchanting almost fairy tale 
you know, uh, out of a gothic horror novel uh, with with um, those wish hounds that inspired the hounds of Baskerville and, and like all these legends about that we connect to the huntsman and the wild hunt and all these characters. And then kind of Chase had some, it was just kind of more of a, a almost 20th century weird stuff with the, the aliens and, and, and the, the, the story behind the black eyed child. And it gets very sort of realistic with, um, you know, the serial killer story there and, and, and um, some cryptid. So it's, it's that variation that also we wanted to give, go to forest that gave us that flow that, that you're not going to get um, in uh just the groove that will kind of like be a lot of the same things over and over again, but will give you some variety. So that was also a big visually and story wise. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, I suppose it's to a certain extent, I suppose it's almost like, you know, if, you know, I, what I know is working with prose. I'm, you know, I primarily write fiction um, in my own sort of creative life. And so to me, it sounds like essentially what you're doing is you're assembling a collection of short stories. Mm -hmm. uh, a themed collection and you've got to choose this like it can't just be a load of stories slapped together like they've got to complement one another they've got to flow from one to the next you know regardless of whether the narratives are actually collect um, collected it needs to feel like a cohesive experience yeah no 100% very well put I mean th that, that's the thing because you want the individual stories to be very strong but you want them as a combination to be to be more than just the sum of their parts and and uh, we try to select um, you know, you have the unifying theme, which in our case, you know, obviously the forests and, and what can happen in them and, and how people relate to them back in the day up until now. You know, that's quite broad. So you want to bring like one example of each almost, which is impossible, but we've, 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 we've done that as best as we can in like less than 70 minutes. But um, yeah, you, you want to make sure that you're giving like an, enough of enough of an examples of what you're trying to put together as a as a unifying theme and make it flow well and give that variety. And some point it gets like, you know, more harsh and more horrific in other moments it gets more enchanting and fairy tale -y, but always with the creepy line throughout, you know, we, we maintain the whole atmosphere just kind of changes genres in between. Yeah, hundred percent. Because the, the nature of, you know, selecting stories in that manner, I suppose, is that there must be some really good stories that you couldn't find the appropriate mm. space for. Uh, do any spring to mind in that sort of area? Like any stories you would have loved to include? Yeah, no, de definitely. Uh, I mean, the, the main reason why um, a lot of them just uh, didn't make it is because they actually took place in different forests that we want to cover in the future. I mean, there is definitely uh, a haunted forest of England too that we're going to do at some point. While, while, after we've done a few side worlds that, you know, have um, covered different themes. And I think we will do that because, for example, the Forest of Dean got left out, you know, which is has a lot of great stories in there. But it, what he was giving us, it just seemed like, well, we either like really submit to this or it's going to repeat some of the other stuff that we have done. But but when you, you give it its own, um, you know, point of attention with like another maybe one or two forests complementing it with some of the stories there, um, then that will be uh, that'll be very interesting. There is a lot more witchcraft stories that, that that got left out that happened in forests, and there's also a lot of in the stories that we already told that you could have gone even more more into, like you know Dick Turpin stuff, you know. Um, but again, you have to keep that balance. So yeah, there there's plenty more. I mean, we mentioned whales. That's of 
like again from from friends and colleagues i heard like oh you absolutely should do this forest in wales and so it's like mm. absolutely send me an email we'll look into it for the next one but there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of other creatures in forest we could tell it was just down to that balance yeah sure uh well i look forward to seeing more of these actually i'm really interested to see a welsh one uh and anything to do with witchcraft like i am there you know i've definitely watched that uh yeah there's because there's there's a long and rich history of you know various kinds of folk magic practices and occult practices in the uk which is just kind of like a lot of the time just kind of brushed under the carpet um but there's a lot of really rich traditions there whether they're you know christian based or pagan based or both which is very often the case like yeah it's it's an area really worth exploring and like in a documentary Absolutely. sense i think now uh so obviously as an indie horror filmmaker and documentarian now um so speaking as like an indie horror writer in the prose sense like i find that the community aspect is absolutely essential I, I i imagine is it much the same on the on your end of things like is there quite a strong cohesive community around indie horror film yeah i i i think it is and uh they've been great i mean i i must say it's strange because um we kind of i do and we do as a whole is in terms of rubicon start doing our own thing um in terms of all right, here's the films, here's where they take place. Take them as whatever you want them to be. Mm. And then and then the community start gathering um, and, and letting us know that they, they, they like it. First with Hex, then with, with the droving. And um, I, think, I think it was more that way rather than us like, we are now indie horror guys that do folk things. And then we mm. you know, uh, uh, went for it. So that, that's been very nice to see how people find us and talk about us and, and trying to... You know, sharing um, between different different outlets and, and different fans, um, and there there's like a, a big end of the spectrum, like between all the different podcasts and stuff. Like there's stuff that's just about filmmaking as a whole, or indie filmmaking, or horror and horror books and everything uh, on the other side. Uh, but there's definitely the, the horror fans are great. I mean, we have we have fans that are more purely folklore, purely pure legends, or pure horror. Or if you're, you know, uh, ones that are related to filmmaking, or just or any sort of like lovers of film, um, historical stuff as well, because like we we tend to dabble with that. Some thriller people with the droving, which is a modern day thing. Um, yeah, but the horror fans, of course, they're 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 great because you know they're so passionate about um, all these different aspects and connecting, and they, they seem very open minded when you um, when you dabble in those kind of subgenres of either is it going to be folklore, is it going to be um more brutal less brutal you know is it gonna be uh more historically based like hex was because we did the big change you know hex took place in 17th century and then we went into you know modern day story um but still within the the the, the folklore aspect of it um but the desires of both films are quite different so i think this is one of the reasons why why horror films this day um in your big budget which they do feel very similar, you know, that, that, again, like very indie horror films sometimes become huge hits mm. and big budget ones sometimes only find uh, audience with the, with the indie crowd, which no other genre really manages to, to mix those two as well as uh, horror does. And it seems to be like there's a lot of stuff being explored. Uh, it seems there's more, um, there's definitely more balls. If I can say it that way, there's more courage with filmmakers when it comes to the different the, the most commercially successful art films these days 
are horror films mm. um, that do find their audience. I mean, th- there's stuff that like in any other genre, if there was a filmmaker there, they'll be like, yeah, we're not going to do this. This is unwatchable. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is weird. It's like, no, crazy, weird. Please give it to us. Um, so I like that. I like that, that how much freedom you have under um, under the hood of doing stories that are a little bit darker. And like I said, I don't necessarily even can call myself I'm a horror filmmaker or something because I don't think in the try to think in the genre way it was like it's more just like hey these are the stories I want to tell in these settings but I just can't help but present you both the more atmospheric romantic poetic side of me clashing with the more deeply fucked up <laughs> side of like what makes humans so weirdly uh, the the dichotomy of 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 who we are as a species, the, how we're capable of both, and I think within Hex and within uh, the droving, that is a big part of what these films are about. And then inevitably, that made a big part of Sidewall because you're thinking like, okay, we're going folklore, we're going horror tales, like there's a lot of um, you know made up stuff. But most of it, when you really look into those stories, what they're talking about, it's not about forest being creepy. You know, it's 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 about humans reacting to that environment of where you're kind of allowed to do anything mm. where anything might happen and how maybe something paranormal happens how did the human reacted to it or what horrible things or beautiful things human are really capable of doing under that secluded um secluded uh, you know kind of safe haven that the forest provide so I think it's that duality that you can explore in a horror film that allows it to be, you know, just a, just a beautiful place to be in creatively. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's similar in the like the prose side of things. Like horror, the community is very accepting and very willing to sort of, especially like the indie community, yeah. is very willing to just read really out there stuff. Like you can, there is a lot of freedom with horror, uh, a hell yeah. of a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's the only place that'll have me, really. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's 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 true, and like there's no, there's plenty of. I mean, we're working on a, a quite a big project right now with uh, um, a serious producer that just wrapped up uh, um, a series for Breadbox, something that's not like horror driven, and it's kind of like a more more um, you know something that's oriented towards like a more vast audience. But even even then. The stuff that we're working on for for uh, bigger platforms and on, and on a bigger budget, um, it just my desires to 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 bring those same aspects that you know hasn't diminished. You know, and we're talking about even if it's a thriller, it still has like a lot of aspects that uh, even when you don't have a supernatural uh, you know element to the story, um, the atmosphere that you build sometimes is driven by your d- deep subconscious connections to. Um, to horror, to darker stories that, that you know through your life, um, and the same thing applies when you're when you're doing like particularly you know um, staple horror stories as well. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the other two films. Like, just ask for a little bit of information about the other two films that you've uh, worked on, Hex and The Driving. So, would you like to tell us a little bit about each of those? Yeah, I mean, Hex was the the the, the first film we made, and it was just um, brought from our desire to while trying to develop some other projects, we're just kind of tired of waiting someone to say like, oh, now you're allowed to make a film and we just went out and made one. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, it takes place in the, the 17th century. It's an English Civil War film. Uh, and it also involves 
a, a serious witchcraft element. Um, and yeah, I, th I think I think with Hex we we took a lot of. It seemed like a, a, a safe bet in in one way of so like that we could do it in the first place, and it was kind of a very simple small story. And at the same time, it can find its audience and people who are interested in that folk horror aspect. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we you know, there's a lot that we didn't compromise on. It's a, it's a it's a very meditative, you know, uh, atmospheric low film that really puts you into a particular atmosphere and it kind of has a the more the film goes i don't want to spoil anything but but the more you realize it's not what you expect in the, in the first place i think it's a it's a very good example of what we just now said about like or giving giving you those tools to um perhaps you know get take a bit more of a chance and that doesn't mean that everybody who watched it liked it and i think you know obviously there is a lot of like core audience that went like yeah that's not my kind of thing and that's absolutely fine but then the more the more we developed and then from our next film and everything the more people tend to know who you are and what you're going for and you know you get better at it and, and you explore different avenues so no hex is uh, uh for anyone who kind of loves more historical horror or loves you know like you said witchcraft stories or, or something that's um uh you, you love you love being in an atmosphere um i would definitely recommend it and then the droving was our next film and, and um, made also a lot more of an impact. And uh, it's a modern day story about a soldier who um, he comes back home searching for his sister that she went missing during um, this uh, mystical, weird, creepy festival happening these days in this small place that's called the Droving, the festival. So, um, and we shot that in, in Cumbria. And um, that that was definitely a film that combined a lot of elements and even though it takes place in the modern day i was trying to uh take you on a, on a journey that's 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 quite quite mystical and um no and that that was that was great and we had um a lot a lot of people really see kind of what we were about with with the droving as well and uh it, a lot a lot of a lot of great honors for me that's like something i didn't, didn't expect like you mentioned me being um from Bulgaria and everything, but to know that there was a, um, I mean, for example, there, there was a big edition history on British film book that came out um, called The Magic Box. It was a big favor edition. It was going through uh, the full horror section of history of, of British film and TV. And of course, he mentioned the staples of, of uh, you know, which find the general and the wicker man. And, uh, but it, it, it finished that whole chapter of the book talking about the droving as, a, as an example of um that done in modern day so to to know that like I've, I've left some sort of you know legacy on on british folklore in such a way that 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 you know people are addressing it as as a a bit of a bit of a milestone in how that, that genre has progressed you know nothing nothing makes you know humbles me and makes me more grateful um because um it just it just brings us all together under under the same hood of interests and and uh um, on the impact of it doesn't matter where you're born or what you've done is like as long as long as we all the, the people who we, who we love um, that we love like certain types of stories um, we're all the same yeah, 100% and uh, your website lists uh, something in development called Iron Hearts is that the thing mm -hmm. that you were talking about before with the larger studio 
Oh no, sorry, no, that's 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 another one. So we have we we develop a few projects at, at the same time. Trying, you know, you you always do. So you know, uh, don't keep all the, the eggs in one basket. But uh, no, that that's with a, that's with a different producer. But no, Iron Hats is a, it's a story that I'm very excited about, and um, you know, we've been developing for a while, and it, it seems to be uh, one of the, our more ambitious stories that we're working with 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 other partners. But uh, that is um, uh, so more of a fantasy story and it's uh, you could say it's based on on the fairy tale of beauty and the beast but under more kind of like our view of a, a, a more of a darker more gothic version of it um where you know instead of the the usual furry disney beast you have this knight who's encased in the suit of armor and the curses that he cannot get out of it you know which creates a lot of Great tension between him and our main main hero, which uh, she goes through this journey and finds this uh, this uh, kind of like a sh- uh, you know just uh, a man locked inside you know his own troubles and curses in that dark castle. So there is we we take to a fullest extent like our kind of dichotomy between light and dark and things that are that are that are sort of more adventurous and, 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 and in some cases poetic with like the really dark elements and take it more seriously more mature take of, of what of, of a tale that i've always liked and i think there's more to explore in a, in a in a more mature way than than just what's for kids which i always loved that as a kid but i think there is a lot more to do and it's yeah one of one of my favorite scripts that we've done and we've had a lot of talks um in terms of where to shoot it and in which studios and everything so yeah it's one of the ones that i'm very very excited about it. I think it's, you can say it's one of the more commercial because it, you know, it encapsulates like a, a, a big audience. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's just an exciting idea. Yeah. I really love the sound of that. Uh, I'm, I'm fresh out of questions, man. Uh, so all your films, are they, they're available on Amazon, right? Yes. 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 They are. So, so, and, and, and some other platforms, I mean, uh, X and the Droving are now, uh, we have uh, partners at Google. They have put them on channels on YouTube as well. So if you want to just watch them for free, you can go on and watch X and the Droving for free on YouTube. Oh, awesome. Um, as well, uh, if you don't have Prime or if you don't want to go on Prime, uh, and there's a bunch of other platforms, both in US and UK and all the English-speaking territories. And then Sideworld um, at the moment is rent and buy on Prime um, as a new release. Um, and then you can purchase it off of Google Play as well. On you can purchase it off of YouTube as well on their main channels. Um, and yeah, and soon we'll be out on much more territories, including Spanish-speaking ones as well, um, because there seems to be quite a lot of interest. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's great, and um, we're in the middle of making the next one. So perfect. I I'm excited for Iron Heart, and I need to go back and watch the Hex and Driving because they both sound like exactly my kind of thing. I'll be very glad if, if you enjoy them. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, uh, I want to say thank you very much for spending a little bit of time with us on this uh, sat- Saturday afternoon. No, of course, buddy. It was my pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's great. You're the first filmmaker I've um, interviewed. It's not an area I actually know a hell of a lot about, but I love stories of all kinds. I don't know, I you, folklore, did, you, so. you did great. Um, thank so, you. So, <laughs> you know, keep, keep going. And I, I hope I'm a, I'm a lucky little charm for all the other ones. So, um, you know, you're, you're doing great, man. So uh, keep going. Oh, same to you, man. Same to you. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. All right. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there we are. 
I'm quite excited about some of uh, George's upcoming projects. Some of the other side world stuff he's planning on doing and other kinds of folklore. And uh, uh, I need to watch some of his fiction work as well. Yeah. That's definitely a, a good one. Uh, well, from my perspective, at least. Uh, let me know what you guys think. You know, email me, terrifymepod at gmail.com or tweet me at terrifymepod. And, yeah. Share your opinions. Uh, in terms of other stuff, listening-wise, uh, I've been listening to The Dark Word by Philip Procassi, which is a podcast about horror authoring, where he, you know, he speaks to horror authors, he's a horror author himself, and they sort of chat about the business and the craft, things of that nature. In particular, he has a really good episode, which came out recently with uh, Paul Tremblay. You know, that one's great, as well as, uh, I think his first episode was Laird Barron, which is uh, another really good one. I thoroughly recommend them. In terms of reading, I've just finished uh, Avery Margariti's The Saint of Witches, which is a horror poetry collection. Thoroughly recommended. I started that a few weeks back, and I've sort of, what, a few weeks back? A couple of weeks back. And I've sort of been picking at it, and I just finished it uh, this past weekend. And yeah, it ends on a high note. I will probably review that and put the review on my website. Um, you know, expect that in the next week or two. Um, yeah, that's all I have for this week. So, as always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Terrify Me with Anthony Frost. The theme music is by Jason Shaw on audionautics.com and used under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TerrifyMePod, all one word. For more from me, visit AnthonyFrost.com or follow me on Twitter at AnthonyRFrost. That's Anthony without an H. See you next time.